What's up guys, my name is Evan Duvall, this is Easy Does It, thank you for joining us. Alright guys, what's up? What's going on? Everybody's headphones working? Do I press something? Yeah, let me see, come here Peppy. You getting weird yet? All right, guys, what's going on? How's everybody feeling tonight? Thank you so much for coming out. This is episode 24 of the Easy Does It podcast. We're here live on Thursday night, and um, this is going to be a really cool episode. Um, I wanted to bring in some friends. Um, I'll let them introduce themselves here shortly. Um, but I'm really excited about this this conversation and format. I think it's the perfect time um, to get into it, and uh, just excited that we can you know serve in the community in this way um, and educate about options that are available. Um, so first off, I'll let everyone introduce themselves, and uh, we'll go ahead and get into the conversation. Start with you, Clint. Yeah, I'm, uh, name's Clinton. I am a single father, nine-year-old daughter. I run a uh, multi-species regenerative ag um, family farm, as well as a um, retreat centers for educational family events, as well as a space for families to come and reconnect with their children. Uh, I also run a couple uh, dad's groups here in the Austin area and uh, yeah and in that and when I'm not doing that I do uh, freelance carpentry awesome um, I'm Jaylene I just want to connect to people to uh, the local food scene here in Austin so uh, I have some background in engineering uh, I've done some wilderness survival schools uh, I've lived and worked on a regenerative regenerative ag farm and uh now i'm in texas and i'm it's post pandemic and so i'm just like learning a lot more about the food system in general um kind of the economics of it uh the sustainability of the overall system and trying to figure out what um, local communities here um, need and want and just like the post-covid scene of how we can have a a more local and resilient food system so uh, I'm passionate about educating consumers, um, kind of like what regenerative means, because I didn't know what it meant just a couple years ago. Um, and so I feel like uh, I can be the bridge kind of between the farmer and the and the average consumer. So I'm really passionate about that education piece and um, just connecting more to food and landscapes and nature. Yeah. What's up? You're not going to introduce yourself? I will hear shortly. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Peppy, or Farmer Peppy, uh, been working in regenerative agriculture for 10 years. It takes about like six or seven just to keep falling on your face, but got got some neat carrots coming up this year. <laughs> like it's, it's looking good. Yeah. Well, I'm Evan Duvall. Uh, this is my podcast. 
Um, I'm having a really good time picking different subjects of things that, you know, are here in Austin. And, and uh, seriously, this is a really cool one for me. Um, Jaylene, she first started serving uh, the bone broth when, when I was putting out ads about, hey, let's, we're looking for local vendors. We want to get, you know, different areas of the community involved. And uh, she popped up, and I think I smelt it first and just, like, followed my nose out there. And, you know, I saw Jaylene, and, and that was the first thing I noticed was just legitimate passion for it. Um, she was so happy to share and, and tell people about um, regenerative farming and, and how she was playing a part. Um, and that was, you know, the first thing I started to notice about this crew in particular was, like, everyone was on, younger. You know, and I was like, I was so excited to to bring this in tonight um, and present this to y'all because this is such a, a pivotal point in history um, where we do have to ask ourselves some tough questions about how we're moving forward. Um, and it's really important that, you know, we're not just consuming um, and we're truly asking questions. We're trying to understand um, you know, where things come from and how we can build a better future, um, not just politically or socially, um, but, you know, economically and regeneratively. And um, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, have this dynamic where we got three different farmers in their own ways, their own approaches um, to start talking about, hey, what's available? And uh, I sent out that first text and I was like, hey, guys, um, I want to bring a few farmers in and and teach these city slickers a little something about the countryside. And uh, it was just a joke. But honestly, it's like we got to start thinking about, you know, not every farmer is on a huge plot of land right now. There's there's, you know, different concepts and ideas that are coming about of how we can do this with less land. Um, and I think it's a really important question to ask ourselves because Austin is in such a state of growth um, that it's not just, you know, everybody can point their finger at the growth. I mean, you look at all the skyscrapers, you look at everybody moving here. It's something that will collapse if we don't ask ourselves how. How are we growing? How can we grow better? Um, and think about what's available to us um, with that infrastructure. Um, so I like to bring in people that know better than I and ask questions. Um, so I'd like to start with Jaylene and just ask, you know, like, you know, what have you noticed about Austin? I know you spend a lot of time up in Colorado and bouncing back and forth between the two. Um, what's unique about this place? And, you know, what do you see on the horizon for agriculture here? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I like how you termed it to like, how can we grow better? Um, obviously, that's like, kind of a pun for growing food, but very seriously, how Austin is growing. Um, and the biggest difference for me, um, especially Austin and Denver specifically, is like I go, I got here in May. And um, the first thing I did really was just like not necessarily trying to find career paths or, or job opportunities was like, OK, this is how I normally like go out and shop for my food because I had this experience in farming. So um, someone just mentioned, actually, I first went to a Serana event, which is like this land out this retreat center. Um, out in Bastrop um, and they were focused on uh, local food farm to table they were having a retreat and I just went out there um, talked to them asked them about local farmers they connected me with Mockingbird Farm which is where the bone broth comes from and um, actually know Clint through Christy and um, it just spiraled from there 
of people connecting me to other people and um, this really deep community mindset and like Austin is this bubble of like out east is like really fertile farmland and out west is uh, like less green but ranching community Dripping Springs the hill country mm-hmm. um, out north is like dime box kind of and like even more um, farming land and then south is like Lockhart and like it's all different really different landscapes but they're all within 30 to an hour away and like tons of small farms tons of homesteads tons of big farms even um and I go to Denver and I try to do that same process and it's just way harder Mm -hmm. like there aren't as many food producers um that you can find like really easily Um, So that was one thing that I was like, wow, there's so much out here. Um, But people don't necessarily know that. People aren't necessarily looking for that. Um, So that was one of the biggest differences is just like how much opportunity there is, how much land there is, how many people are really doing this Mm -hmm. on a big or a small scale um, that just need their story told, just need that kind of Um, Right. Like most people aren't necessarily doing what I'm doing where I'm leaving the city of Austin and I'm going and seeking seeking these things out. Um, So that's where I feel like I I come in to sort of try to um, hear their stories, hear what the farmers need hear like how how has it shifted to post pandemic? Right. Because a lot of things went online. A lot of things had to go e-commerce and. you know that a lot of businesses are able to shift that way but um to be honest like that's really hard for most farmers mm-hmm. especially if they're like small and family scale um it's just like mom and pops so they have struggled in that aspect and farmers markets a lot of times shut down austin has amazing farmers markets mm-hmm. that's one thing that's great about austin too so um there's just so much opportunity Um, as far as like how can we grow I think it's just like being aware that as we're coming into this urban area that is Austin let's remember to like disperse and like go check out what's outside the city limits Um, you know a lot of people come here because there is a lot of nature there's a lot of green space um, and that's great and so we want to make sure that we're helping maintain that um, and that takes like going and and connecting with it and connecting with the people who are stewarding that. So I think it's really just getting curious, like, why do you want to come to Austin? Mm-hmm. What's so great? And how do we keep it that way? Who has been stewarding this area this whole time for it to remain this great thing where maybe L.A. or New York or wherever you're coming from isn't the way that you would like it to be? How mm-hmm. do we keep that goodness that? is why we're all coming here. Yeah, keep it rooted. Yeah. Where'd you move from, Peppy? Where are you originally from? Virginia. Virginia? Where in Virginia? Northern outside D.C. Okay. Like Shenandoah? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> no, 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 I was born off the Occoquan, but uh, yeah, I did like nine years of school. That was my second guess. Yeah, the Occoquan? <laughs> 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 no, but uh, I did like nine years of school in, in the Shenandoah Valley. Um that's where, like, a, a between those two areas, between the Occoquan to the Shenandoah, that's where my love was created for nature. And the, <clears throat> you know, the callback was, how many, how many people listen to me? Like, I'm sorry. All right, Mom, sorry. Yeah, no, it, it, it just came from um, 
spent one time smoking <laughs> DMT. Yes. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, I, I didn't want that. I, I was just trying to like escape, and it backfired. I I meet what I presume to be like uh, the mother, and she tells me to move to Texas to serve her. Uh, regenerative farming. Since I Austin, I just figured that would be the place that I'd be able to find space, old shitty house in the woods, right outside the city. Mm. And I mean, yeah, cut teeth there long enough to yeah get get the job at uh, Jester King. Mm. Woo! <laughs> but they, I mean, they they make awesome awesome beer. I mean, it's a it's a heavy game to work in. It's 170 acres of shit soil yeah and that's the whole point i mean it's a button just involve all these conversations i would just want to kind of like yell at y'all and hang and everyone else can just w- watch and we'll, yeah. we'll get there but like when you're talking about the, the different ecosystems of, of texas yeah i mean west goes shit and when we talk about stewards but for the for the most part i believe that there hasn't been many mm-hmm. like it's a new generation it's just land that you see that just hasn't been destroyed yet, or or to the certain degree of other places where people are fleeing. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing that I I've noticed growing up here and seeing the change. You know, out west, especially with Dripping Springs, was, you know, and you keep going south as well towards San Antonio, and you just take like beautiful land, not the best soil, but you take beautiful land, you shave the hills, and you build suburbs. You know, and like that is a trend that you know, will not stop as more and more people move here. Um, and, you know, Austin and Dripping will one day be completely connected. It's just, it's it's taking, you know, minds, putting them together and saying, all right, well, the growth is happening, the people are coming. Like, wh- what kind of infrastructure do we want to build on the way out there? Do people have their own gardens? Do people have, you know, these options available to them, um, you know, in order to at least, you know, keep a small plot of land um and you know that can keep people connected in a way where they start to care and they don't want to turn everything into a dollar general or another gas station or or whatever it is and uh yeah i think that's that's something that has to happen now and but the the biggest thing that's really interesting for me is saying that this isn't just bad soil right now we're learning through science on how to regenerate the soil how to you know introduce or test and get nutrients back into the soil clint is that anything that you've messed with as far as like how to turn the the hard rocky limestone kind of soil of central texas back into something that is you know lush and that you would think of i mean when i heard they were growing hemp out in dripping springs and henley and wimberley i was like what's going on like that is they're doing something out there you know to the soil so yeah for sure um that's really i mean soil building is kind of a a labor of love um most of my experience has not been with limestone in particular but heavy texas black clay Mm -hmm. um stuff that is is very good in a lot of ways um but it's very difficult to work with and it's it's a very long process and that speaks volumes about agriculture in general this is a very long process it's a it's a marathon not a sprint are you cover cropping um, what's that are you cover cropping um i am using a yes in short terms yeah uh, absolutely it's it's very fun um 
and it's very useful um, and it's also uh, it's multi-use but um, yeah it's uh, that is something that is a personal interest the way you can take something that is whether it's ignored left to its own devices or degraded through um, unintentional attack um, and then kind of nurse it back to this beautiful thing that you can show to someone and go we're not too far mm-hmm. um, but if left to the current situation it can get too far right um, and then relating that back in a very palatable way and why that should and does matter to the general public um, from a very quality of life standpoint um, whether it's may not be for your quality of life but if you've got a family it's most definitely for them and the lineage that they'll leave their quality of life so um, and that ties very much into soil and the lineage of society um, those two things are very uh, you know the parallels there are great yeah man I think that you know that's where it started was you know I think that there is an issue in society right now especially you know in first world countries where you know there is a such thing as consumerism and and you know it's just people are always in a state of consumption and there is real no connection to where things come from um how things are made and you know we live in a culture of depreciating value and you know i think it's really important for you know if people aren't you know, on their hands and knees, you know, with their hands in the dirt, doing it themselves, at least, you know, they're, they're connecting with somebody that, that is, um, and hearing these stories. And, you know, for me, you know, I've, I've never gone to a farmer's market and not just been stuck for like, you know, more than an hour just to like, you know, there's no running in and grabbing something like you would at the store, you know, like you can't just go get a gallon of milk or something. It's like, you really got to take a moment, stop, and I'm always thankful when, you know, I can catch something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's been the, the what we've been looking for in this podcast the whole time is to say, you know, these are members of our community. They're all contributing these various ways. I mean, we had Ryan McGrath on last. He was, an, he was a hatter. You know, it's just a different story. Um, but he's taken the time to seek out, you know, the beaver skins and, you know, looking for markets and what's the best. And, you know, this is, this is the same conversation in a different format of asking the questions that say, okay, I mean, what's, what's more foundational than food um, and farming, you know, if, and if we're not looking there, then, you know, what, what's a better place to start to really start teaching ourselves how to care um, about, you know, how we're living and what we're consuming and and the amount of energy that that gives you back um from something something as simple as you know sipping something delicious um instead of just what's the most available um that really gives us so much life yeah i think um i just want to connect it back to your question around like uh regenerating the soil i think what's really important to understand in texas specifically Um, so we're here in Austin, we've got a live audience, get them to participate a little bit. How many of you guys partake in mushrooms, you know, functional or otherwise, right? Like, right. Okay. So when we think about a mushroom fungus in general, where does that come from? Does anybody have an answer? 
Say it again. Right. So like what, how do, how do they, how does it, where does it come from though, right? They're involved in the decay process, right? We have mushrooms because they're breaking something else down. There's decay of plant or animal life and that's where a mushroom comes from, right? So that, who here has like seen a mushroom growing out in the hill country? But but not that many, right? Like, so normally when you're thinking about, like, mushrooms and fungus, it's, like, these lush forests of Canada or, like, the Pacific Northwest or the jungle. That's where that decay process is happening um, just naturally because it's green, it's moist, it's it's like that all year round. That's a very different environment than the hill country specifically, right? A lot of Texas outside of Austin. So the way that that decay process happens in these uh, more brittle environments is a term that you'll hear in, in regenerative ag is largely with animal impact. So you can't have that decay process happening without animals in there grazing, trampling, helping that decay process of the vegetation get reincorporated into the ground. So when we think about like how did, you know, maybe we hear that too many cows overgrazing is what causes this degeneration. We need to get rid of all the cows. You know, that's that's very um, simple-minded. That's like not really understanding how ecosystem processes work. So um, it's really the way that they're managed. If we kind of think about before Manifest Destiny, before we all got to the North American Plains, there were millions and millions of bison roaming the plains. Uh, we didn't have, you know, they weren't causing climate change. There wasn't all this methane clouds like going into the into the atmosphere. There were way more bison than there are cattle now. So how did that happen? How, what's going on? It's it's probably something a little bit more nuanced, and that has to do with kind of the predator prey relationship. Bison would be moving all the time because there were these predators that were chasing after them. So that's kind of what we're trying to do when we talk about regenerative ag is get the cattle to mimic cattle and goats and sheeps like other ruminant animals. We're trying to get them to mimic this predator-prey relationship that we used to have before we uh, domesticated everything. So that's extra important, specifically in this Texas region. Uh, that's really brittle. The humidity is not distributed evenly throughout the year. We need those animals to help contribute to that decomposition cycle to like kickstart that life-death cycle mm. and get these microbes to start decomposing things, get those nutrients back into the soil and create those really like alive soils. So um, just to like bring it back into like overarching how that's really important in this Texas region um, and then number two I think how people can think about regeneration um, and specifically with this bone broth that we have here um, is like the the food system in general um, is very dispersed we have this huge global food chain mm -hmm. where even if you're going to the grocery store you know, you might be getting organic, but where was that shipped from? You know, it was maybe shipped from California. It was maybe shipped from who knows where. Um, and that in of itself is, is not very regenerative, right? There, The amount of links that you have, the more links that you have in the supply chain, the more emissions you're going to have from transportation. 
um, the less nutrient dense that food is going to be. So when we're thinking about how can we have a more regenerative system, um, sort of regardless of the soil practices, like that is one way that we, we need to go. But if you're buying local, it's automatically more regenerative mm-hmm. because you have less links in the supply chain, you have less emissions, the food is more nutrient dense, uh, that money is going straight back into your economy. So I think that's how we can start to think about regenerative in this local food scene is like anytime you're buying local, you're you're creating that less dispersed supply chain and that automatically is more regenerative and and it's really easy to do here in Austin specifically more Mm -hmm. than other cities like Denver or elsewhere Um, there's just so many options and uh, the more people that come here the more we are going to disperse outside of Austin and that's where small farms come into play and more people are wanting to become homesteaders more people are wanting to buy land and learn how to do it so there will be even more and more options um so i think it's just just people willing to say oh yeah that's that it's possible and it's not that hard and let me just look for that now that i know it's a possibility yeah i think it's even cool you know as technology advances how you know people are taking the time to to buy kits where they can grow their own spices and stuff with led lights you know above their sink and you know i think that's the the next thing that i want to move into is you know like if you know not everybody has the ability to you know buy land or you know to to move away from the city because that's where they work or you know that's where their lives are um or they're just not attracted to live in that type of lifestyle but you know asking ourselves okay well we're aware that there is this issue um, and you know, how can, the you know, the most common person here in Austin support these systems and other than, you know, I'm hearing buy local, um, uh, make, you know, pay attention to that. Even if it's at, you know, HEB or local farmer's market, like these things do exist here. Um, and it's important to, to look for those things and support people that are taking the time. Um, because they care and, and, you know, want others to have access to these things. And and it's not easy to, to drive in from, you know, hour or two hours away where your farm is and come in and especially on a Thursday night and, you know, to, to care that much and to share your time. I mean, it means the world and I hope that translates. Um, and people begin to see that, you know, this is, you know, a, a problem and there is, you know, time is taken on it. And, uh, but, you know, there is things that are actionable and, um, I would just like to kind of have a, a session of just kind of what those are, what you see, you know, as farmers, what you notice, you know, where people can, you know, take part in all of this. I mean, you definitely have your your local farmers markets, uh, but one of the problems with those is they've become very commercialized. They're very mainstream, um, and I understand the attraction there because you have to get eyeballs on these products. But the fact is that people come there. It's um, it's become a Saturday. This is our early morning thing to do. They're not buying the things that keep farms alive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going in. They're buying value added products. Um, whether it be from food trucks or whether it be from farms. I mean, farms doing value-added products, that's great for them because you can take a small thing, make it into value-added, and sell it for more than you could the original thing. 
that's cool. Um, but it's the stuff that is you go and buy jewelry and things of that sort. This is not a true farmer's market. Mm -hmm. um, the farmer's markets need to look like a farm sitting on a table. That's what yeah. it should be. Um, now, that falls into the farmer's hands as well. I think a big problem that we face is a lot of farmers are antisocial. Um, <laughs> And that's why they escape out to these properties. They want to farm on the land. It's what I've ran into because farming for me um, is as much society based as it is uh, ecologically based. Because mm -hmm. um, one doesn't matter without the other for me. Um, and even I am met with um, a lot of pushback wanting to come onto farms and say, what are you doing here other than a job? You know, what are like, what are we really selling here? Um, and I want to get into that conversation. Even as a fellow producer, I met with that kind of pushback. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a responsibility on local growers to be more open as to not being so proud uh, to not engage with your customers. Um, if our if our goal in life is to provide sustenance for our communities, then let's act like it. Sure. Um, because what we're requesting is, is people to vote with their dollars. Mm. We're requesting that people change their way of life. We're requesting that you stop going to HEB, um, and buy your just very easy things to grab. We're asking you to come to us. We're coming to you. We're meeting you halfway as well, mm -hmm. but we're asking you to really make a difficult change in your daily life. And I think it's important that if we are a representative of the change that we think has to happen in the communities in the world overall, then we need to be absolutely overwhelmed in our pursuit of that. Um, I just, I just think we need to be doing more honestly. Um, yeah. and I know that farming is not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people out there doing it by themselves. Um, but honestly, we're in a young crowd. We're in a young city. Um, we're all on Instagram. That is, you can find anybody on Instagram. Um, farms, I mean, just go to different hashtags. I mean, or just look up one farmer's market, go there, talk to the farmers, circumvent the farmer's market altogether. They don't like them. They don't want to take their products there. They don't sell out. They've got to come home. They've got transportation costs. They've got fuel costs, stuff like that. But mm. I mean, um, I'm, I, I don't know any producers that wouldn't be willing to connect you to other producers. Yeah. Uh, yeah and I think internet's a great resource. Definitely. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me there was you saying vote with your dollars. You know, that's a choice that you're making, how you're spending your money. Um, and then secondly, it sounds like the same thing. Like, you you can vote you can you know you can vote with your attention of caring asking those questions saying hey like can i support you how can i support you um i think that's a beautiful way to do that you know to look beyond the systems and connect with individuals and um i think that is you know something that'll inspire more and more people to step up and serve their communities in those ways um yeah it's a, it's a wonderful way of looking at it how about you? I got a lot to unpack. Let's go, man. <laughs> I'm here for it. So you're just uh, skating all the way back. Limestone is not soil. Dirt is not soil. Soil is soil. Soil is made through decomposition. 
So the whole concept of regenerative agriculture, how are you putting more back in than you are taking out? All farming is is the input of organic material. You you have um, so your OM. It's gonna be plant based or it's gonna be animal based. Plants take a long time. So I mean, y'all about get kicked in the nostrils in two weeks by the ash juniper, which makes the cedar fever. And uh, their their nodes are firing off right now. So it'll be a golden dust. Diaceous species, male and female. Way too many males. <laughs> well, yeah, well, way too many males that uh are about to spray ya. And like that that's that's what creates it. Just so y'all know, it is a native species. Sorry, I, I get wrapped out of one a, a, a bunch. It takes those needles like like two to three years to decompose, and then like maybe a certain percentage actually becomes soil. Uh, for the goats I'm working on that land, it, it, it takes them ten and a half hours. So that's the scale of being um, a plant input versus an animal. Is the speed of the of the rumen. As far as for the bison, yeah, there was forty million that we believe that roamed across the nation, uh, up to twelve miles wide. So it takes uh, yeah, 200 goats to graze an acre intensively on a daily basis. Each animal would then produce an average of five pounds of droppings or fertilizer. So a herd of that scale, 1,000 pounds of organic material you put back in the soil every single day. If you can increase the OM of an acre by 1%, each acre will then hold 16,500 more gallons of water. So that's 200 goats. For the bison, this is 12 miles wide. This is 150,000 animals that weigh 1,800 pounds. That's what built America. That's what built our prairie. And it's all it's all gone. We I, last time I checked, we have 16 years of conventional farming in America, and then I don't even think we'll even have to worry about that. Like, like we'll be able just to make synthetic food. We'll we'll be able to feed the human race. What we lose is our connection to nature, connection to the humans. They're actually like working it, trying to pass it on to your children. So we don't have to explain to them what birds sound like. I mean. So that's the the two, the two parts of farming. It's like, what are you taking out? What are you putting back in? And I, and I did uh, forget the uh, we were talking beavers for a second. Beaver hats. Beavers rule. <laughs> like the they're they're a magical animal that we we exterminated along with yeah the the bison the the wolf and the bee. Those were the four keystone species of the Americas. And, and yeah, we made our way in through Manifest Destiny. Like, there's so much to, to make our way back. But the last point, you have being the farmer's market, you have X amount of producers that show up in these very accessible places. The most downtown one, yeah, that is, that is for the urban seating area. You don't have to worry about that. There's, there's other on the outside. The folks that work that hard to grow the the best veg, and, and so far there isn't a metric that comes out that actually tests like nutrient density. So all you can do is float like survey, uh, certified organic, which is horseshit. There's no way it's a small farm that you should have to pay $5,000 for a stamp based on like your profit margins are garbage. You're, you're there because you're trying to serve community. You're trying to feed your, your people. And then this is just another step that's, um, moved into a place of commercial, like the like capitalism, the, the, the whole mm -hmm. fight of what we're trying to prevent. So then, a, as a people um, of an urban environment, if, if you have that space to, to just visit, especially if you are affluent, the money that's coming into Austin, 
how is it that we're not going to these places like and as you said before i mean we're selling candles and then that's what <laughs> comes through they get, they get a candle they get a soap and they like nothing against like candle and soap makers but the idea is like, like it's just a Saturday activity as opposed to this is where I'm going to purchase my groceries. Like America has farmers market. The international countries like are just not America. They just have market. Like that's where you go. That's where the folks step in to your urban density to be able to 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 share. And then what you're up against is convenience. The convenience going to H E B and it's already there packaged and you know how to be able to work with a certain ingredients. And then scaling convenience for what's best, even for yourself, for your family. Most importantly, the ecosystems that are being created outside of your city. Like we're just watching it get murdered off. And unfortunately, yeah, um, for everyone's defense we are just all way too busy to to care about it but if we don't create a relationship with with nature we will not be moving forward as a species yeah so to just expand on some of those points i think there's two really important ways that everyone can just start making baby steps to get to get more involved is one that knowledge aspect like Go to your farmer's market and just ask questions. Start with just talking to your farmer like, hey, like, where are you located? Do you have any events? Do you have um, a place that I can go that is beyond this farmer's market that would be a way I could start purchasing from you? Um, getting that knowledge and that curiosity aspect is going to help us go beyond just the label, right? Like, it's great to start at HEB and start looking for organic, start looking for grass-fed, start looking for pasture-raised. Like, those are really great first steps. Um, but then, as you mentioned, like, those labels aren't always helping the end farmer. It, again, it's like those those links in the supply chain. Um, having that stamp is is the USDA certified, right? Like, that money is going to the government it's not going to that local farmer so once you kind of learn like hey what does organic mean well without going too much into the details that it might be horseshit or not like generally it means not sprayed with pesticides not sprayed with fertilizer so you can ask your local farmer hey i don't see in a an organic stamp on your thing but do you spray with pesticides or fertilizers and they'll tell you no like here are the practices that i do um, that are organic or are regenerative um, and that's one really good way to like strike up the conversation with your farmer. Just like what practices do you do? Um, because really like where we're at is like there's there's so many regenerative practices. Um, there's conversation right now with like what does regenerative even mean? Are we going to create a regenerative label? That's already starting to happen. There's goods and bads to that. But ultimately, like you as the consumer want to feel really empowered to not have to rely on the label. You kind of want to know like, hey, I, I went to this farm. I talked to the farmer. I have senses. I have smell. I have sight. I have feelings. I see how happy these pigs are. I talked to, to this person and they were really knowledgeable. Like we can start to regain that trust and regain that like self-empowerment of like, I know what what food should feel like I know what it smells like I kind of know what I want to eat and and that's just a baby step is kind of that knowledge um, and then number two that engagement like you said kind of like that life force that vitality like there's all of these other ways that we can start to 
engage with our food, engage with the land. Um, right. You guys are here tasting the bone broth. Like, have you ever tasted anything like that? How does it feel in your mouth? Like, what might that mean? Like, it's full of collagen. Like, you know, it's just, it kind of gives you something different. It feels different in your gut. It's, you didn't, you know, it doesn't have all these fillers like bone broth that you buy at a store. Um, you smell it here. It's warm. It just is really different. It's like a totally viscerally sensationally different experience. And that just increases the more engagement you have with a farm. Like that's been my personal journey is just like, wow, my whole, like, not only is the food more nutritious, uh, I have this like connection with the person who I'm getting it from. I know you, I see you on a daily or weekly basis, whatever it may be. Um, but like your senses, you're like, wow, I, you know, I have these soil microbes, my hands are in the dirt. Like I'm smelling the food, I'm eating it fresh. Like there's just a whole different energy associated the more and more engaged you get and and you can start doing that with like you said doing it in your on your counter like growing the microgreens like having a fruit tree in your front yard those are just the first baby steps to start to sort of get you aware that this connection with your food and with nature like brings so much more into you than just the sustenance that you're eating it's mm -hmm. an entire experience um and i think those are just like the the baby steps is like gaining a little bit of knowledge gaining a little bit of that engagement you know austin is a pretty health conscious community we we talk about you know the sauna and the ice bath and the vitamin d and the healthy food and uh you go to a farm for one hour and you get all of that mm -hmm. right like you don't have to go to a sauna and a nice bath just go work on a farm out in texas for 30 minutes and you got your sauna all and covered jump in the creek. and then jump in the <laughs> creek and then you get your food yeah. from your friend so it's really just kind of a shifting your mindset of like how can this it's more than just going and getting my groceries it's like how can i just have a full experience and you know a lot of us are coming to austin for the community and we're thinking about that in sort of like this young fun creative creative like entrepreneur yeah. community but that it starts to expand out expand. to the entire community. Yeah, I think, I mean, it just translates in so many different ways. And, you know, what I'm really hearing is, like, once you really start paying attention, once you start asking questions, once you start caring, then you you reap the benefits of that. And you start connecting with people who are on the same path, whatever their approach. And, you know, I think that's something that, that farmers and, you know, ranchers and just people that work hard understand um, is how things are made, where things come from. Um, I think it's amazing to, you know, think about just what hard work has taught me in my life. You know, like one of my first jobs where I really started making money was as a ranch hand and, or I thought I was going to be a ranch hand, but I, I spent most of my summer picking up rocks off of this property oh, yeah. because yeah, he just like would pull a trailer around and he wanted all the rocks gone so that the grass could grow back. Yeah. And if any of the rocks were too big, we had a backhoe and they'd smash the rocks and then we'd pick up the smaller rocks and the water was tied to the trailer. So you had to keep up if you wanted water and those summer days sucked, but I'd leave with just cash in my hand and, and I would turn into cold beer and gas in my truck. <laughs> and that's pretty good for a high schooler. But, um, I mean, that summer I really learned like what money was worth 
how hard I had to work for that. And it hasn't, you know, it hasn't left me since. Um, and, you know, I hear that in the way, you know, you speak about it, Clinton, is it's, it's beautiful to hear that, you know, you, you moved out, you're moving out on the land, you, you care about food sources, but then you're also giving back in a way where you're facilitating men's groups like directly from what you've learned from probably just working hard and and caring about life as a father as you know someone who grows things or you know cares about where food comes from and just I think it's beautiful and amazing that you know you're a leader in other ways and I'd like to hear more about that you know of of how you've intertwined the two um and because there's multiple ways of serving yeah well, I will say um, I've grown up in the country my whole life. Um, I was raised watching the conventional model at work. Um, I've been in your factory chicken houses where it's 10,000 chickens. Do they have large talons? <laughs> large talons. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. <laughs> um, and, you know, you could barely walk in there. I've been in those operations. Um, I've been in the feedlots that you hear. Um and that's all I ever knew for a long time. Um, and so coming where I'm at now, it was it never really dawned on me until uh, it was personal for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so so we're, we're really tied in for me is I lost my wife uh, seven years ago in a car accident. And that led me down a path where um, it was, you know, alcohol, you know, aloof in my daughter's life know really lost connection to everything right you know kind of went off the deep end and then uh, I started to rebuild Uh, you know I lost the house the car the job um, the companies I was building Uh, you know I was living in my buddy's barn um, and I was I was a ranch hand at a a horse stable and making eight dollars an hour Um, and honestly it was that eight dollars an hour job that was kind of work for the soul I mean Mm -hmm. I've always worked with horses and there's there's a very soulful connection there. Um, and so, you know, I got back on my feet. I got an apartment. I got the new car. I was spending more time with my daughter, and I got all the tangible things that I had lost, right? You know, all the all the stuff, you know? And so I was like, oh, yeah, I d- don't feel anything still. Mm-hmm. I don't have my life back. Um, so I started to dig deeper into that. I was like, okay, well, why not? Um and I've always talked about this dream of having, you know, a farm that's self-sustaining and that's where I live. And I'm like a mountain man and nobody ever bothers me. Right. Because in another life, that's me. I don't talk to any of you ever. You <laughs> never see me. Um, but then I have a daughter. So how do I how do I spend more time with her? I understood that my happiness stemmed from creating a life that revolved around her. And so it's OK. Well, what does that? And it can't be just money. It can't be something I work from home and spend time with her because that's not, that's not holistic. It doesn't foster my happiness too because I can't make her happy if I'm not happy. It has to fall into my dream that's a legacy. Maybe not for her dream. Maybe she never gets into farming and that's fine. But through my efforts in farming, I've created a better environment in the community. She will, at the very least, until she's of age to move out on her own, will be raised in. Um, and it's my responsibility as a father and a leader and a member of the community 
to facilitate that, not only for my daughter, but everyone involved, because she's going to interact with everyone that is involved. Um, so I was doing my morning mobility in my apartment, in my dining room, and it just hit me, and I was like, this is, this is the parallels between farming and fatherhood were just so right in my face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just every standpoint. And so I said, you know what? That's what I'm doing. Um, I put my notice in to the apartment complex that day. Um, I told my boss, I was like, hey, I'm leaving at some point, just letting you know. Um, at my mother's property, I started to um, work on the soil there. Um, you know, we had always had animals, but I started to really um, put them to use, you know, like use them for what they're worth and not just that's where we keep our chickens and that's where our goats are and stuff like that. So um, I started to use them in rotation um, because I didn't, ha- I knew I wasn't going to have money. Mm-hmm. So I had to use nature to improve herself. Um, and it was through discovering what quality of life meant to me that I found farming. Um, And then now it's just, for me, it's a responsible thing to, if I can articulate this and make it palatable for another man who Mm -hmm. may have been in my position, because I know how painful that was. And, you know, I, I consider myself very lucky to have made it out of that. Um, and if I can thrive through that, then I, it's my responsibility to give that to somebody else. Yeah. Um, and I know you have a background, uh, in the military. That was, that was all I was going to do. I was ASVAP ready, perfect PT scores, Marine grunt was all I wanted. Um, and I thought I was going to serve my community through vengeance and violence and it turns out that I needed to serve my community through love and compassion um, in the way that I'm now doing it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just kind of what I'm doing. I'm finding my way. Um, I would say that my experience in agriculture is really only two years because the conventional models that I was in, I wouldn't even consider that agriculture. Mm. Um, it was, I think about it now and I think about the people that I was around in that environment were not happy they were i mean it was yeah it was terrible serving uh, a machine at that yeah, point well, trying to know, keep it up it was just them yeah trying to pay off debts it was um it's, a, it's this vicious cycle of like well this isn't working so i need to plant more so it works and we need to buy this tractor and now we're in debt so we have to plant more and then scale up to pay that off and then and they're stuck in this loop and then they pass on a debt to their children. And I was like, I don't want that for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that change all starts at home. So, uh, that's what I'm just trying to do. I'm trying to help my neighbor. I'm trying to be a good person. Um, and food is the best thing to do that. You know, good food can be medicine. Bad food can just be food. You yeah. Know? Um, so that's what I'm trying to do. Just put nutrient dense food into people so that they can make a difference in their community. Yeah. It's an amazing story, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you you for, for not only learning these lessons and it sounds like the hard way, man. And, and, but to ask more of yourself and to, to first ask enough questions to where you start to get a grip, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing. And then to ask more of yourself to step up and serve and use your voice 
um, man, I, you know, I think that's, that's the most beautiful way that we can, you know, serve our fellow man is, is, you know, to articulate the hardest lessons that we have learned as individuals. Um, because one, it makes people feel less alone, that they're not the only ones going through hard shit. And then two, you know, just seeing that people made it out on the other side and, you know, people, you know, look up to you and, and want your advice and, you know, they can be that for someone else. Um, you know, as we empower each other and, um, you know, that's my biggest takeaway from this conversation today, um, is that, you know, start, start caring, start choosing, you know, what you consume and, and what you get out of that will empower you. It will, um, you know, give you a deeper rooted connection back to, you know, what life is and, and, um, it's that circle of life. And once we find those, those, um, you know, avenues that are available to us, then, then you will find happiness in your, inside your bodies and inside your minds. And that's what translates to others. That's what allows us to, to bring others up in a world, um, that is love and light. Um, instead of just working for these systems that have existed for quite some time, we've got to step outside of that and, uh, and ask more of ourselves always. <laughs> so does anybody have anything else they're, they're itching to say? Well, I'd like to, if nobody has anything that's pressing, I'd like to take some questions from the crowd. If anybody has anything that they would like to ask anybody up here, um, we'll just take the question and then, uh, since we don't have a Q&A mic today, um, we'll just try to repeat the question back as we answer. Sound good? So, if anybody has any questions. What's up, Sarah? Um, so, for It's not possible. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it can be done with such incremental steps. But, yes, it's, you, you can grow your own tomatoes. Like, process based on your yield for its caloric expenditure, what it takes to feed you and feed your family. That's why we rely on farmers. And then gardening is, is something that we're able to have to sustain ourselves. What, what's more fun is, to, like, the utility strip of land that exists between your lawn and and the road i mean it's just i forget i think it's like 30 million acres or something nationwide like that that'll kind of be enough and and then the complaint is well then you're growing food that's going to be uh dealt with uh, the pollution of our cars and it's like well then we should fix that eh like and it just goes one step by by one so like they don't even grow food there just just grow flowers i mean the point point is just do better than bermuda grass and but no i mean you in in your little backyard space you can have fun but you could not feed yourself uh, it, it's just it's the simple truth so 
uh, for the concept of, of homesteading and everything, it, it is going to be reliant on, on both plants and animal uh, neighborhoods, communities, and then it starts all to grow out from those steps. So it's a, it's a good step to head into, but uh, the completion is only like so much larger. I'm sorry if I was a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on um, your context, where you're at. Uh, I think somewhere like Texas, um, certain trees can do really well. You can plant certain trees. Um, they can do really well. You can have gardens. I think that concept of community as well would go a really long way where um, – you know, you might be the person who's really good at growing the fruit trees. Your neighbor might be the person who really wants to have the backyard chickens. The other person might be the one that has a lot of acreage to do the the farming and do the produce and stuff. So you might not be able to do it all yourself, which really we can't do anything on our, ourselves. So that I think would go a long way of like, um, how can we all do this? And secondly, I think, um, it's super helpful regardless if, if you're going to sustain off of it or not because you're going to be doing a variety of things even if you're planting something and it goes to shit. You're going to learn how hard it is and you're going to have a lot more respect and appreciation for the people who are doing it. Um, or you're going to succeed and it's just going to be you're going to have like one pear tree and you're going to get three pears that first year that you do it but that those three pears are going to be the best food that you have all year because you took the time to nurture it and care for it and you got it fresh straight from the tree and that's just going to inspire you to keep doing it more to keep finding how to do it better to go find the people who are really doing it and so I think that that process is going to be beneficial no matter what even if you are starting it under lights or in your in your counter like I don't think that 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 isn't the end game um because that still isn't building soil if you're doing it under the lights but it's like it's this whole like we just need to we need to shift our mindset and the only way to do that is like experiencing it and learning and so it's like I didn't start nobody like you just moved to 20 acres you didn't start on 20 acres you started in your mom's backyard like and look where you are now right it's like none of us you can't start where you think you're gonna finish like you know this as an entrepreneur right I mean look at this space right like you started in a van we just talked about that I started by just like willy-nilly talking about bone broth somewhere that some guy was just like come and do whatever you want yep <laughs> so like I think for a lot of us in Austin um that's what I think is so intriguing about this group of like young entrepreneurs and creatives it's like there's just just start and keep following that path and you're just gonna learn and that process of like tripping and falling on your face and having it be that hard work is like really what builds up your resilience and um, just inspires you to keep going and then inspires you to like get people to help you and get more people on board and um, it just trickles from there so uh, it's definitely contextual based if you're in this area um, honestly he probably is going to have the best answers of like specific things to start growing but uh, just trying it and and getting seed blends from your neighbor or like whatever the case may be and um, just learning that process I think would be tr truly helpful I would say backyard gardening is a great idea. 
Um, if nothing else, it'll put you more in tune uh, with your weather. Um, you'll start to pay attention to what's happening around you, seasons. Um, it's very important. Um, eating seasonally is probably the most difficult thing to do. Um, even, I mean, even farmers themselves is very difficult to eat seasonally. Uh, it takes a lot of dedication to do that. Um, and you can wind up, you know, you want to go down the rabbit hole in terms of actual nutrition. If you're eating seasonally, you'll be deficient in something. Um, but it's very good to start there. Uh, if you're serious about growing actual food um, in a small, you know, dense space in metropolitan, then you want to talk to your neighborhood about a community garden. Um, and that's work share. I mean, you can find a space around. Not every, not everywhere is going to have them, uh, but you got places like East Austin, Whisper Valley. These are master plan neighborhoods where they're starting to integrate actual, like from the get, they've got, you know, a fourth of an acre or a quarter of an acre gardens right there. Um, and it's work share and they're, they're, they're pumping out food. Um, and if nothing else, that's, you know, education, but, um, yeah, there. From a caloric standpoint, you can't feed yourself at home. It's just not not in a healthy manner anyway. But there's also a lot of other reasons to engage with plants and grow plants and just food. Uh, if you have flowers growing, you're going to be attracting pollinators. You're going to be uh, sequestering carbon. You're going to be potentially. Um, like you said, even if it's on a road and you have these different plants, they're going to be helping uh, sequester those toxins and put them into the ground. Like there's a lot of reasons when you start understanding ecosystem processes, it's going to help store water where you are. Um, so I think it goes beyond just the food production, like any, anything that isn't just Bermuda grass, anything that isn't just like a lawn that is using up a bunch of water and not producing something like it's all going to be better and it's all going to be towards that incremental change. I have a question for the audience. What's the most irrigated crop in America? Grass. Yeah, lawns, grass. That was just a callback. Yeah, most irrigated. Wow. Yeah. So, so anything is, is better. Like you have four anything. tomato plants, like you're going to get, you're still going to get tomatoes versus nothing. Hell yeah. Anything else? What's up, Taylor? Uh, first of all, I want to say I'm really touched by all your guys' story. Um, I resonate deeply with, with all you guys, and I really like, I really appreciate the message you guys are preaching. I feel like I'm trying to preach a similar one. Thank you. Um, one of the many hats I wear besides the easy studio doorman is a traveling ranch hand. And I've been on small homesteads, um, 30 mile ranches with 2,500 acres, or 2,500 head. Um, and really, most of the time I'm working for free because I want to something I want to learn. It wasn't something I grew up around. Um, and it's not like super life changing. It's changed the trajectory of my life forever. And I wanted to know if you guys um, had some sort of volunteer service. Were you educated, or if you knew a resource that did, um, just to help maybe give that option to people like me that want to learn but don't have the money to like go to school or to start their own or just to be more involved i don't i don't know any farmer that doesn't need help to be <laughs> honest. Um, I, I go to farmers markets and i get close with farmers that i know are selling good things um and i'll ask them if they have work in exchange for food because 
I mean, I buy a lot of raw milk, and that stuff's twelve dollars a gallon yeah. out here. <laughs> so yeah, and um, also there's there's not a lot of loose capitals in small farms, so a lot of times that's all they've got to give you. Um, they need help. They don't have money to pay for help, um, so they get overwhelmed. Their quality mental health goes down. Um, their business goes under, uh, and then we trickle down. You know the current model that we're in. Um, that's also something that I do is when I say freelance carpentry, that is just a very, all I ever wanted to do was learn with my hands. So just every trade I could possibly learn, um, you know, and that's growing up and not being able to pay for those things. You fix cars, you fix your own AC, that sort of stuff. So um, there's really good people out there that need help. And a lot of people, especially around here, they capitalize on that and charge an unreasonable rate to very reasonable people. Um, like we talk about where you got the bone broth. Um, that's, that's a farm that I believe wholeheartedly in um, and she desperately needs help. And I'm an able body um, to give her a good product with my hands and not have to take money out of her pocket because taking money out of her pocket hurts her, hurts the movement I believe in, hurts the community that I'm trying to build. And um, yeah, so essentially, not to get too far off on a tangent, um, exactly what you're saying is going to, Farmer's Market is a great source, um, you know, asking them if they need help. Um, maybe it does take creating relationship first so they know you're serious. Because um, a lot of people will just say, well, what's your, what's your ulterior motive? What do you, what do you want? Um, and then again, I always point back to social media. Um, I've never been an advocate for social media, but um, <laughs> I've only ever used it as a tool and it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, so I think reaching out and being very forthcoming with your intentions um, and just leading with your heart in that request is, I mean, yeah. Free labor is awesome. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the, the only reason I'm on social media is to post videos of goats and then in the copy on it, just be like, who wants to come farm? <laughs> and I've destroyed people out there. Like, <laughs> That's not me. I'm sorry. Because, like, I mean, again, like, you may not even be able to bring a uh, veg home. I mean, but yeah, I mean, by all means, uh, typically it was at Saturday on Saturdays. Yeah, Jester King. I mean, folks will come out and help me farm and then we just do beers. And then I'd teach everything I know. And I'd like to see that system replicate. And, and truthfully, I mean, it backs up advocating for the fact that we need to switch to an urban climate, a four-day work week. And then when you have four days to your profession, now three days to yourself, one of those days is meant to be reinvested, like, back into whoever needs it. Because, uh, yeah, the only issue is, like, like, for volunteering at a farm, typically – unless it's like serious grunt labor uh, i mean you're coming on greenhorn so that one day is just then teaching you how to do something like you would have to then come back to even um uh, a couple times to merit even receiving so even like, like i mean top three i mean i would say internationally top three market gardeners is uh yeah jean Martin fortier uh he's out of quebec and great book i mean the market gardener pick it up then he'll, he'll let you know like your spacings what you're supposed to have for your plants and such and he gets to like uh his chapter on like volunteering and it just says don't <laughs> like you get what you pay for 
and and there's certain seasons for like harvesting and stuff where where folks can get in, but where they where they really need the help, um, it just comes from skilled labor and it sucks. Like it it really just sucks. It's one of the worst jobs you can have, uh, based on pay. I mean, I I think even we we kind of have like this this hoorah moment for like. Uh, what were you saying about like our service industry workers? Like, I mean, like God bless them <laughs> with, with, the, with the little signs in our front yard. But then, like, you tell your 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 kid, like, the kid's like, "I want to be a farmer." It's like you don't want to be a farmer, like, because we we take our, our, ourselves away out of the place of servicing, and and, and that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Is we're servicing one another, and then even to me, I mean, servicing the Mother Earth based on the all the land that we've destroyed so yeah every, everyone should just like yeah knock on doors for every farm figure out not just like can i volunteer but like when can i volunteer load up those seasons because like there there's there, there certain parts where they will need that grunt labor and then during that space they'll be able to educate it ed- educate you and and that's what you get to take away for those first bits like if, if, I mean, if you, if you aren't proficient at hand tools, then, like, you're not going to be that much of a use to me. My my first um, instruction is just, like, put that tool away from you. And then I just demonstrate it. Like, this is my circle. This is my circle of death. This is all of your circle of death. Like, it, especially if, if, we're, uh, if you're getting f- fatigued or doing beers, that's the range you can kill someone. Like, you just can. So, when, when you bring in urban folk or just call them <laughs> poons <laughs> like, like, like and it is like it's just soft soft ass and and that's great like like that that's a fine that's a fine way to be because on the outside it, it's it's very difficult and we want you to come to put some some leather on there but like <laughs> there's no way around it it sucks and and that's what growing like good food looks like. Otherwise, we step into machine-built systems. Um, we further separate the the relationship of of human with our planet. And that's what gets me bummed is it all just ends Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> and we have like we have like like twenty some years. I mean. You were bringing it up like like what is money? Money money means nothing. What does water mean? Everything. Like that mm-hmm. that will be our next war. So to to talk about how we're we're watering our lawns, to talk about how we're watering our crops, like start to look at it as liquid gold. Because there's no question that's what the next world war will be fought over. Half of all springs in Texas run dry at this point. California and the Pacific Northwest have now drained their Columbia River Gorge. I have a hard time building relationships and like talking to people because then I just yell about this and wolves. But it's like, <laughs> but what is more important to talk about? The fact that we are destroying our natural water sources every single day. Like previously, what do we do about this? We built the guillotine, or the, no, they built it, but then we took it to then make it work for us and it's, I don't I don't want to encourage violence it's just there are major major steps 
that have to be moved forward. So we have a comfortable life in like 40 or 50 years. Because like, I don't know, spoiler alert, the next 20, 30 are dog shit. Like, it's going to be real rough time. And I think it's kind of cool, though, because, like, when's the best time to be on a roller coaster? When it's going down. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, it, it's a point of chaos to where, like, we can make something better for ourselves, better for our children. And, like, I do believe that as we're crashing, and, yeah, you were crashing into the ground floor of, like, that soil or lack thereof to like to have to connect yeah so i just want to bring it back to to your question um so it sounds like you have skills you've been a traveling ranch hand you have experience what has been your experience when you are asking people at the farmer's market what have they told you Cool. Yeah. It sounds like, um, yeah, just reaching out. I mean, that's what I've been doing, honestly. Like I've, and, and I think it starts kind of with that building the relationship piece is like, yes, a lot of farmers want and need help. But again, it's like that consistency thing. It's like, if you're just going to come for one day, it's more work for them to train you than it is for the help that you're giving them. So it's sort of that consistency thing. It's um, having the skills, which it sounds like you already do. You probably don't need to be volunteering, to be honest. You probably could find good paying work if you have those skills. That could be money. Um, yeah. So if you, um, I would love to connect with you more after this because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that I know that, yeah, if you have the skills, like you could find the work. Um, and secondarily, like, this is a town full of entrepreneurs and business builders. Like there are businesses to be made in this space. If you can, you know, there's tons of people who just like create events. Like you just created this, you just created this out of nothing. You just decided that you wanted to talk about things and you came here and you did it. So if we just decided that we wanted to create a team of people who went and volunteered on farms, we could do it. I have tons of ideas. I've been slowly doing that. I've been slowly building relationships with farmers and ranchers. So I'd like to help. Yeah, that's awesome. We already have three people. There's like five other people that I know. I just had a dinner. There was 12 people. So like there's that's happening. And like if you have those ideas, like that's how social media can be a tool. It's like we find each other and we build it like we there's going to have to be that is what regeneration means. Like we're there's going to have to be new things that don't exist right now that are going to need to exist for us to have a different future. So if you have those ideas, like it's amazing and it's amazing that you're already connecting with the farmers and that's what it's going to take is like just building that trust and being like hey like we're here you provide us so much we're going to give to you first and then and then you're going to give back to us and it's about that giving first and like that's how I started doing it like we mentioned Christy I mean the way that I know you is through Christy 
Um, like I'm going to the Weston A. Price conference this weekend because she got tickets for me because I helped her do a delivery. Like there's just so much give and take that like in this consumerism kind of way that we've all grown up, especially in our generation is hard to know what's out there possible until you start doing it. Like you said, it's like, shit, y'all yeah, work for free raw milk that cost me $12. Like definitely. Um, but we just, it's a different mindset to, to be open to doing something like that. So it's awesome that you're doing that. That's the first steps. And like, let's definitely talk afterwards because there's stuff to be built for sure. Awesome guys. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. I know I'll be listening back to this episode, uh, when it airs and taking hella notes. Um, but there's a lot of different ways that we can step up and, and, uh, and start putting this into practice this week. Um, talk to Peppy after if you want to come volunteer. And, uh, <laughs> and he's stoked to have you. All right, guys. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming out, every single one of y'all, for coming on and taking time out of y'all's lives um, to join us. See y'all soon. Thank you, guys. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.